I have always been fascinated by how our experiences and values shape the way we act and think. It has been in my experience that stories of resilience and passion often inspire others and spur action. In this VUCA world, it is important we figure out what it is we stand for and ultimately ask ourselves, how can we make a difference? In this episode, I speak with Felix Tan, founder and CEO at Skileo. We discuss the future of work and hiring practices and how a precise articulation of your own soft skills will help set you apart from other candidates. Motivated by his personal experiences, Felix started Skileo to help individuals better understand their strengths, helping youth support their own growth in this complex, changing world. What is up, guys? You're tuned in to Radio Pals, The Sound of NUS. Today, we are being joined by Felix, a global studies major here at NUS. He is also the CEO and co-founder of Skillio, an AI-powered and digital soft skills portfolio. Now, Felix, how have you been? <laughs> well, uh, it has been a busy semester for me. Uh, yeah, but happy to be here, happy to share whatever I know. Yeah, it's uh, already six weeks in. Uh. It's quite fast this semester. Is it just yeah, me? It, it, it flew by you know, in a blink of an eye. You know, I, I, before I know it, it's recess week already. <laughs> yeah, where did my Monday of recess week go? Uh? Can you please tell me? I don't even know what I did yesterday. Okay. Yeah, but thanks so much for coming in. Can you please tell us more about Skillio? Because what I gave was just a very summarized version. Yeah, so so in, in essence, Skillio is a little bit like LinkedIn, but for soft skills. And I think the whole reason why we sort of decided to focus on soft skills, so things like leadership, teamwork, um, communication, uh, is because, you know, a lot of times uh, what we realized that in the future of work is that, you know, these kind of skill sets are becoming more and more important. Um, and for a lot of young people that's going into the workplace, uh, these are the skill sets that helps them to set themselves apart when they're going for recruitment talks, when they're going to, you know, um, go through interview processes. And so I think for us, uh, what we are trying to do is to make it simple and easy for them to showcase their soft skills when they are uh, applying for anything in, in particular. And hopefully through Skillio, it becomes a good complement, right, to their resume and to their other tr- portfolios that they might have. Hmm, thank you. But you see, when I think of soft skills, I think of interacting with people. It's more in real life, right? But this Skillio is uh, AI power. It's, it's a website. It's a platform. So how, tell me how you, that fits into the whole... Yeah. Yeah, so so actually, like um, for every you know um, student when they actually go on the Skillio, they basically add in their experiences onto the Skillio platform, right? So uh, maybe it could be like, oh, you know, I'm I'm you know producing this radio power show, for example, mm-hmm. right? And when they actually um, you know create create an experience, they basically add in certain things that they've learned or certain things that they have done, right, in that particular experience. And we basically use uh, natural language processing, which basically picks out certain keywords that they have used. Um, or they have basically showcased um, in, in those experiences itself and present it into a very visual and un- easy-to-understand chart for them to understand, oh, you know, when I took initiative to reach out to a speaker, this is the kind of soft skills I've shown. When I maybe, you know, um, lead a team to overcome a certain challenge, right, that's also what, what kind of soft skills is linked to. And for the student, right, it becomes easier for them to then go to an interview and say, hey, you know, I'm not, I, I'm a good leader. A lot of people, they just say, I'm a good leader, full mm. stop, right? But you should go in and say, oh, I'm a good leader because I was able to showcase this behavior um, when I was doing this, you know, this project or this experience that I have, right? right? So, so I think that's really the whole intention of what it does. Right, so what I'm hearing is it helps me 
as a account holder to understand a little bit more about myself and my soft skills so that when I enter, let's say, an interview room, I am better able to articulate my strengths and my weaknesses. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's 100%. Yeah, great. So explain to me this AI-empowered thing because it sounds very interesting. It picks out <laughs> certain words. Yeah. Is it accurate? Did yeah. you develop it yourself? Yeah, so it is uh, developed in-house by my team. Um, so we have actually sort of um, went through a, a rigorous process of research to understand, you know, what kind of soft skills is important in the future of work. Um, and we did a lot of things like a factor analysis and all that to pick out the kind of um, skill sets that we want to put in our taxonomy. Mm. Uh, and from there, we actually train it uh, with machine learning to pick out certain kind of keywords. So if you can, you can imagine a a bit like the applicant tracking system, right? So when you put in your resume into an ATS, um, it picks out for keywords that the organization is looking for. But in this case, uh, we are actually picking out for soft skills behaviors that mm. um, the, the, the user have shared when they're actually going through the experience and sort of them populating and linking it to certain soft skills that the, the user have shown as a result of that. Right. So it sounds very technical. This is not something you learn, right, in global studies. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> right? yeah. So can you explain to me how you found the, the right people to manage all this with you? Yeah, I, I think, you know, finding a team is always the most uh, difficult one, you know, um, for any founder that's starting something. Uh, so I actually met my co-founder, Zihui, right? Um, she's uh, in, you know, in arts camp. Uh, when I was in year one mm. um, and she was in my same orientation group um, and from there we actually um, I, I sort of, sort of got to know her and she was doing psychology in supposed st studying psychology in NUS um, and she's also um, you know uh, had, had done a lot of um, gigs freelance gig you know helping youth um, you know develop strengths uh, through strengths finder um, so I thought that was a natural fit for what I'm trying to do back then so I actually invited her to join the team um, for my other co-founder uh, Dodi he's actually um, studying SUTD um, I met him because I was doing some freelance gig as well doing teaching youth entrepreneurship mm. um, and he was one of my facilitator back then um, so he was an in interesting guy because he back then he was in JC too right but instead of studying for a levels he was learning how to do programming so i'm like oh and and he, he comes from indonesia to study over here so actually um you know that, that's why i sort of reached out to him to say hey you know after a levels you have nothing to do <laughs> come and join me and, and see whether you can do something in this space right. um yeah so that that's how you know all of us came together and how the avengers assembled mm, that's nice can you tell me more about how you managed to get them on board was it you know, a seamless process? Were they like ready to go as soon as you asked them or did they need some convincing? How did you do that? Yeah, definitely not a, a, a straight out, you know, yes, of course. Um, like for us, uh, um, I, I met them for coffee. That's the first thing. That's always the first thing, mm -hmm. right? I met them for coffee and, you know, I shared with them the idea, the vision um, and, and why it aligns to what they want to do as well. Um, and, and, and then I think I invited them to sort of um, help out in the team, you know, just to get to, to see whether they are willing to, uh, they like the kind of work that we're doing, the vision that we had. Um, so they actually volunteered in Scalio for, I think, close to six months, right, before we actually um, sort of, com I, I sort of converted them into co-founder status mm. uh, in Scalio. So a bit different from, you know, some usual, some other startup teams where they already form a team at the start. Um, I started off as a solo founder, so mm. I was on, alone and, you know, I, I basically had some friends that are helping me out on a volunteering basis and right. they also came on as a volunteering basis. And uh, after a while, some of these volunteers left and, you know, uh, the two of them were still around. So uh, I was like, you know, why don't, um, you know, we, we, we sort of officially formalize the relationship mm. um, um, and, and we, that's how we sort of got started. Mm, that's nice. I, I like what you said about, you know, 
most of them left, but <laughs> two of them stayed. Yeah. And I think this is not rare in the business world. People come and go, mm-hmm. but there are also people who stick around. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you figure out who is worth keeping and who is, you know, you're okay to let them go? Yeah, I, I think I always believe in this um, three-step um, process that I use to sort of uh, understand whether um, that person is a right fit for the team, right? Um, and, and the first one is being, um, you know, having the right um, similar vision, right, as, as the company. Um, and together for us, uh, we came together because we wanted to make sure that, you know, youth that's entering the workplace in the, of the future, uh, we will become future ready and future proof, right? And I think that's something that resonated very well with, among the three of us. Um, and I think that's that first level of, like, as filter, right? When, uh, when we speak to candidates, when we speak to people who are interviewing for our company, uh, we want to know whether they have the same passion for education, mm. uh, whether they have done things prior to that to help, you know, people in maybe like giving tuition or, you know, like done camps to help facilitate youth and things like that. Um, that's probably the first one, like having the alignment in terms of vision. Um, the second one is basically having complementary skill sets, right. right? So I think for me, you know, I'm not a coder, right? I'm a global studies major, <laughs> right? Um, but I have Dodi who helps me with the tech because he does that, right? And I have Zuhui who looks at the psychology of things, right? Which, which I'm not uh, uh, strong in, right? But then I, I was able to complement in terms of my ability to do uh, business development, right? Mm. And having the big vision or the big picture in mind. And Zuhui complements me well because she's a very detailed thinker. Mm. So when I give the big vision, she'll try to poke holes in my plans and all that. (laughs) So I think that's the kind of uh, team that you want. Mm -hmm. Someone that complements their own strengths and weaknesses and I think that forms the second part. Um, And of course, the last one being um, commitment, right? Um, So if you are looking to do a startup, you have to know that this is something that is like a marriage, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, You're probably in it together for three to five years Um, and and you want to see whether, you know, that person that you bring on can commit to the time and commit to the the whole journey. And and so I think that's why, you know, for, for me, when I started they joined as a volunteer first, right? And they started to realize that, you know, um, that there is a, a future with this, there is, you know, uh, and they want to put their time in. And I think that's, you know, the, the, the third sort of telltale sign um, that if all three of these checks out most of the time, uh, you have a good team hmm. member. That's very nice. Let me just summarize that for the viewer. So number one is ensuring you're on the same page, having the same vision, right? Yep. Number two is alignment of com- complementary skills. So being able to you know, help each other with your strengths and weaknesses and like, you know, it's like a puzzle, right? And then the third one is commitment. So this is, you're in it for the long, the long haul. So I want to focus on your vision because you you keep talking about the vision. What is this vision that you have? And is it driven by any personal experiences? Yeah, yeah. So I think for us, uh, we we are wanting to strive to make a world that, you know, success is multidimensional, right? So we don't judge, you know, someone's ability just based on one indicator alone. I think in Singapore, that indicator, you know, is grades, right? Mm. Um, sadly enough. Um, and, and I think uh, for us, we wanted to create an alternative form of, you know, success, right? And and helping students to recognize that, you know, um, you know, grades alone is not a, 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 a be all and end all of their own ability, but it's also about the skill sets, the soft skills that they have shown uh, during the course of their educational journey. Um, and I think this is also deeply inspired by my own journey, right, when I was growing up. So I didn't come from the most uh, well-to-do family in Singapore. Um, and I think when, when I was growing up, um, you know, like a lot of my friends, you know, they have opportunities to go for piano classes, swimming classes and all those kind of things. But I, I don't really have that. Um, but I was thankful because I, when I was in my secondary school years, um, I was given a lot of opportunities um, to go 
uh, uh, you know, abroad and, you know, to, to sort of lead in student council because of my teachers that believed in my ability and they didn't see, they didn't see me as just, you know, the letter grade on my report card, mm. but more of, you know, that, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm passionate about, you know, helping the community. I'm passionate about, you know, working with uh, my juniors to plan events. Um, and because of those um, um, stints, right, I started to realize that, you know, uh, I grew so much as a person, right? Being able to, from that timid boy that couldn't stand in front of stage to speak to people in front right. of the crowd uh, to someone who could. And I think that kind of um, evolution, that kind of growth was something that I hope I could, you know, help more students or more young people uh, realize for themselves. Mm. Um, and, and hopefully that also then debunk the whole idea that, oh, you know, my own ability or my identity is around just whether or not I can score A's in my paper. Mm. But it's also more about, you know, what are you doing as a person outside of school, outside of your uh, right. academics, right? Yeah, so so that was really why uh, and how, the, I guess, the whole vision of what we're trying mm. to do uh, came about. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. It's very inspiring. So I was reading something similar on your LinkedIn profile. I, I think it was an article called Why I'd Rather Be a B-plus Student. <laughs> Yeah. You want to tell us more about that? Yeah, sure. So so I think because uh, I started Skillio when I was in year one, right, in NUS. So um, I, I knew early on that, you know, I didn't want to just, you know, study my whole NUS away, right? Mm. Uh, I wanted to spend some time to do something meaningful. Um, and I think Skillio was that pursuit for me to try something different. And, and since I'm still in university, there's no obligations. There's no like, oh, I don't I don't have to pay for the bills yet um, and all of that. So I could, you know, spend some time to really um, work on something I'm passionate about. Mm. Um, and and so, you know, that then came the d- dilemma, right? Because if you're doing startup and you're doing and you're studying, uh, something bounds to give, right? You have right. to sacrifice something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I told myself that I'm okay to get a B plus for my, my modules as long as uh, uh, you know, yeah, as long as I don't fail, mm. right? And and so I started to test the system. So in year one, I did, I, I tried to, you know, do my best to see what kind of effort I need to put in to get a B plus, <laughs> <laughs> right? And and so after that, I realized that, okay, this effort equates to an A minus. So I'm mm. like, okay, I'll dial it down a little bit in year two. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, so that was how it came about. Yeah, and wow. I think, yeah. Very strategic, uh. yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, let's go back to what you said about something's got to give, lah. Uh. Some mm-hmm. people really they cannot commit both mm-hmm. ways. Um, and I understand you went for LOA. Yeah. Can you tell me what the factors that we should consider before we embark on an LOA? Yeah. So I, I think um, one of the things is that I think for many people they start, you know, um, um company, they just start a startup, right? Um, and it, it could be just a project at first, right? And if it's a project, maybe sometimes it is something that you do on the side. Um, and sometimes this project maybe evolve into like a side hustle where you start to make money out of it and you started to spend more time on it. And when it sort of transits to a startup phase, right? This is where you realize that. Um, you really need a lot of growth. You need a lot of progress uh, in a short amount of time. Mm. Um, and, and that is the part where you start to realize that you something, you know, you need to sort of trade off something, you know, in, in, in return for the time that you're going to spend building your own startup. So I, I think really um, it is a delicate balance, right? So you have to basically think about, okay, what are some of the things that I'm willing to give up? What are some of the things that I'm willing to sort of, um, um, yeah, give up in, in return for, you know, spending more time elsewhere. Um, so I, I think really is at the end of the day, do you believe in what you want to do? Uh, do you feel passionate about the, the the kind of idea that you're working on or the problem that you're solving? Um, and if you are, I think, you know, there's right. no best time to do it in univer- than, rather than in, mm. in university. Yeah. Th- thank you for giving us so much to think about. Now, you mentioned something about sacrifices, right? <laughs> and... 
I know if I were to go on LOE, I would need to convince my my mother yeah. a lot, right? And some sacrifices that we make, other people don't understand. Mm-hmm. And sometimes not only do they not understand, they might judge you, they might, you know, kind of look down on you. Yeah. So have you ever faced those kind of people? And how do you deal with that kind of, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely many, right? Mm. Um, so I think, you know, touching on the point of LA, um, you know, so I I think I, I was pretty blessed. Like my parents were pretty supportive. So, so, but I had to build a track record before I can go to them and say, hey, you know, I'm going to take LA. <laughs> I can't be like, oh, year one and I'll go in and take LA, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, 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 because I have sort of been working on Scaleo for about two years and, and they started to see some, some uh, uh, results from it, right? So, you know, uh, we won competitions and we, you know, we got some clients and, and that was um, something that was enough to basically convince my parents to say, hey, you know, maybe there's something in this and then I'm just taking a one-year break. I'm not dropping out of school entirely, right? I think that's that's a, still a no-go for my parents. But mm. uh, so I said, oh, I'm just pausing school to just focus on, you know, on Skillio and I'm going back to school, right? So, and, I, and I told them the, the, the decision I made to not take an honours <clears throat> and, and I think uh, was also, you know, purely out of the fact that I'm not someone who see myself in research or doing, you know, academic kind of um, um, things, right? That's why I said, hey, you know, I'm going to do a three-year program. I take a one-year LA, I will still end on time. So that was the sort of the, the kind of um, uh, argument or the, the, the anger <laughs> that I put forward to my parents. And mm. thankfully, they, they supported me. I, I think they have been pretty supportive since the start. You know, they just want to make sure that I'm thinking things through properly, mm. right? And and I know what I'm actually saying. Um, I guess in, in terms of other forms of rejections, uh, definitely a lot, right? So, you know, as a student, when you try to speak to investors or you try to speak to clients that are maybe many years older than you, right? right. I, I think a lot of times, uh, uh, credibility is something, right? So I remember we went to a client and they was like, oh, um, are you sh- are you all just a student project? <laughs> we all closed down six months later. Um, so these are the things that we had to grapple with, you know, especially, you know, being students and, and the kind of re- rejections that we tend to face. Right, right. And you have to deal with a lot of stakeholders when you start a business, right? Yeah. Whether it's funding or just, you know, different people with different expertise and there are, there's bound to be conflicts, right? In expectations and agendas. And I ask this to every one of my guests and they all give different answers. So what is your answer with, when it comes to, you know, this kind of conflicts? How do you deal with that? Yeah, so I, I think um, dealing with stakeholders is a very important skills to have, where especially when um, you're doing a startup, right? Because you have to deal with clients, you have to deal with your team members, you have to deal with um, maybe investors if you have. Um, and, and I think sometimes it's more about getting everybody to see a common picture rather than, you know, um, you know getting, uh, um, you know, trying to appease to everybody because it, it will never work, right. right? So we are in the educational business, right? And, you know, our, our users are usually not our customers. Meaning that you know we serve students, but the teachers or the schools are the one that pay for it. Mm. And and what we learn in our lesson, right, is that um, we are not able to optimize a product for everybody at the start. So I can't build a product and say, hey, you know, this is so for students, but then I start to build some features for the teachers. Mm. And and we realized we did that, right? And we realized that we lose focus very quickly. And and we built in the end, we built something that nobody wanted. Mm. Um, and, and we went back to the drawing board and said, hey, you know, we need to focus on one person. And and I think then at the same time, how do you then convince the other stakeholders to see that, hey, when we are doing this for one stakeholder, we are actually doing them a favor as well. So I, I think that's, that's really um, how we sort of deal with it to sort of get everybody to see the common picture or the bigger goal behind, mm. the, you know, what we are doing. 
Right. So let's talk about these stakeholders, right? You yeah. need a lot of resources, a lot of connections, and networking is very important. Yeah. So when you first began, what were some steps you took to reach out to all these potential stakeholders? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think network is so important. I think if for anybody starting a startup, right, um, even if your startup fail, what you live with is a network. Mm. Um, and I think for me, when I first started, I was very blessed to have mentors that, you know, were the connector in our my, in my network. So so I had someone who was in the education space. I, I had, you know, people who were able to link me up with, you know, investors. Um, so they become that important node in my network that helped me to expand um, um, my kind of network that I have. Um, and I think... I think these are the people that maybe you want to, to look for, especially if you are starting out and you have no network, you want to look for mentors who are who can be your bridge uh, to, fur, to different other people that could potentially help you along in your journey. So for me, I basically reached out to a few of these mentors. I, I sat with them. I told them that, you know, this is what I want to do. Um, any, anything that they can help me with, whether it's connecting to someone, you know, maybe connecting to a school and things like that. Um, and you will be surprised at the power of network uh, mm. and, and how it has, you know, in, in helping you to amplify some of this reach. Right. And I hear a lot of conviction is involved, right? A lot of (laughs) determination because rejection, I mean, is everywhere. How do you, as an individual, how do you stay focused on your passion and your vision and not let all these distractions, you know? Yeah, so it is not... I, w- I wouldn't say it's possible to, you know, always be focused, you know, on, yeah. on what you want to do. <laughs> a lot of times you get, you know, uh, a lot of distractions, whether is it, um, you know, um, something, you know, that you want to chase for and you realize, that, hey, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm actually off my pa- uh, the path that I'm supposed to go. Um, and I think at the, what we do is really to have like quarterly reviews and uh, monthly check-ins to just make sure that we are really actually going towards the direction that we are setting. Um, another thing that we realized pretty late um, on was to actually set, indicators and goals for the company and how these goals and indicators will link to the bigger vision that we have. So using a data, more data-driven approach to sort of um, track our progress, um, help us to make sure that we're on track and not, you know, like, oh, based on gut feel that, oh, you know, I think we should go here, oh, I think we should go there. But numbers speak, data speak. So Mm. we actually use that to sort of guide the company to go into the places that we want to go. Right, so you have indicators and you have data, right, to help you kind of evaluate your progress. Now, do people, on a more tangible level, do people come up to you to thank you for, you know, making a (laughs) difference in their lives? You know, how has your skillio made a positive impact on people's lives? Yeah, so I think we are still pretty early on because most of our most of our users are still in like JC or year one, year two in university. Um, but we do have a couple of them that, you know, um, went through the whole process already. Um, so last year during COVID, we actually did this thing called the Skillio Industry Immersion Program where we basically match um, students in project groups to companies, right, to do an, a short project attachment for them. And in the whole process, they were using Skillio to sort of track their skill sets. And I think we, we do had a, a couple of people that came up to us and said, hey, you know, because of this um, the, uh, stint and this program, uh, they were able to get uh, a follow-on internship with the company. And right. eventually, some of them used that you know, uh, uh, as a first step to get them to their first formal internship. Mm. So I think, I think that was something that you know, we were very, um, I would say, delighted la, and, and grateful yeah. that you know, we were able to make a difference in someone's life. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, I mean, on behalf of them, I thank you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, tell me about you. You're wearing this very nice shirt yeah. with Skillio on it and there are is that a leaf on yeah. top of the eye? Yeah, it's a leaf. And tell me about the name and the leaf. 
Yeah, so actually when we started, when I was in year one, we call it Skilo, right? S-K-I-L-L-O. Oops. Yeah, no, no. And I think we realized it was pretty a bad name, <laughs> right? And I think we decided to sort of change it to Skilo, right? Which is a, basically in short, a skills portfolio, right? So um, basically a combination of skills at the start and in the portfolio at the end. And I think the whole idea is to make it a, a portfolio for soft skills. Um, and then the reason of using leaf, right, is because we believe in nurturing, right? And and just like, you know, planting seeds along the way. Um, in my life, uh, uh, I had many people who planted seeds in my life to sort of, you know, uh, it, which, you know, in the end, they, it germinates along the way. Even mm. one small action that somebody, you know, um, do for you in, you know, just a kind gesture or anything, it, it plants a seed for, you know, uh, uh, for something else along the way. So I think that's the whole idea of using leaf to sort of demonstrate that, you know, everybody can grow, everybody, you know, is, you know, just need a time and space to, to, to develop their, their full potential. Right. So, I like that your vision is echoed in the name. <laughs> so I, I guess choosing a right name is a very, very good first step for any company and a name that you truly resonate with. Yeah. Um, were there other names that you rejected? Or <laughs> this was just the first one? Yeah, it was one of the first few and I think we were thinking about something along skills. So it was start it was it was starting with a, a SK something. <laughs> so so <Skate> two. <laughs> Yeah, SK2. Right. But uh, so it was it was I think we went with Skilo first, right? And and I think then we realized that that sounds a bit weird and, and so it doesn't sound catchy enough. So we decided to change it. Drop the L for for you know the IO and, and I think that, that sort of sound pretty okay and I think we just stick with that. Okay, and the shirt looks good too. So you have merchandise for sale. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, we don't sell our t-shirts, but you can, you know, uh, uh, you know, join an internship. We give you free t-shirts. <laughs> I see. You have internships currently. Yeah. Ongoing. So, yeah, Are they so, still recruiting? Um, we usually recruit a, in December as well as in the March period for summer. So, uh, yeah, we we do recruit uh, university um interns, you know, um polytechnic interns, and I think we do give a fair bit of chances to people who do not have an internship before um, to also so hopefully this will become their first step to allow them to get further internship I think everything that we do in the company uh, sort of also transcends to the big vision that we had um, and, and I think um, we believe in you know when, when, when we want people to look at grades alone we don't look at grades when we're hiring mm, really? yeah we don't like absolutely <laughs> not at all yeah no so we actually wow. we have you know like a technical assessment where basically we um, look at the kind of skill sets that we need for the company, um, say like marketing skills and all that. We basically um, ask them to do like a, a short a assessment of, oh, how do you craft a marketing campaign and, and things like that. And we evaluate based on that. Mm. So we don't really care about, oh, what's your cap and things like that. I think that's uh, in, inconclusive for us. Right. So unlike you, I don't have the courage to say that <laughs> grades don't matter because we do live in a society where it still does matter. And I, I don't feel comfortable with like pitting, you know, hard skills versus soft skills. I Can you tell me how we can make sure they are balanced yeah. for ourselves? Yeah. So I, I, I definitely, not. I'm not saying that, you know, grades don't matter yeah. at all, right? <laughs> I think this is the, the common uh, criticism I get every time when I speak, right? Say like, no, no, oh. I'm not criticizing you. <laughs> I, I thank you actually, but yeah. Yeah, so so I, I guess, you know, like um, at the end of the day, it's really what you want to do uh, at the end of the tunnel, right? Mm. So if, if you are looking to go into somewhere that, you know, grades are still a big part of it, right? Say maybe, I don't know, the civil service, right? And, and things like that. Um, then, then, of course, there, there needs to be some emphasis there, right? But um, at the same time, I hope that students don't just see that as the only way that they are able to, you know, get people to recognize their skill sets. Because... Um, 
you, you will be surprised because when we speak to a lot of HR professionals in big companies, in MNCs, as well as in, you know, um, in, in startups, right? What we realized is that they, grades are often the thing that gets you through the door, right? Um, you know, but, you know, uh, skill sets and, you know, hard skills and soft skills gets you the job. Mm. So you may have a very good, you know, resume with, uh, you know, good grades like, oh, CAP 5.0. But how are you differentiating yourself with other CAP 5.0? Or someone who's CAP 4.7 or 4.5, but has so many other work experiences and skill sets that they bring to the table compared to someone who's just, you know, CAP 5.0 and nothing else, mm. right? So so in, in that kind of comparison, any HR person would choose the lower CAP but, you know, more experience and more skill sets. So, um, yeah, so I think it's really about balancing out and know that know what you want to do at the end of the day and sort of reverse engineer, you know, your way there. Yeah, and I like that you are just content with a B plus for your grades, <laughs> right? But that, I mean, a B plus is good. It's, it's not bad or anything, yeah. it's good. And yeah. it means that you're studying, right? <laughs> and can you tell me how global studies have helped, you know? Yeah. You know, with your business and skill you. Yeah, so I, I think um I, I I'm actually pretty blessed that I've selected global studies, right? Because um I think because of two things, right? First, you know, uh, in global studies, uh, we had the um flexibility, right, to choose between um different kind of uh, um uh, electives, right, uh, that spans across different um, faculties and different majors at the same time. Um, and I was thankful because I was able to sort of map my NOC modules mm. um, into global studies. So I didn't have to take an extra semester, right, right to, to or, or use my NOC modules as UEs, right. Um, and I was pretty thankful for that because uh, I would, could then, you know, take my UEs to, you know, to learn Bahasa Indonesia, ah. right. And, and that was also recognized in, in global studies. And Funny enough, uh, Bahasa Indonesia was so helpful because we managed to close clients in Indonesia as well. Oh. So, you know, being able to speak in Bahasa, you know, helped to sweeten the deal, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, I think Global Studies had, you know, provided me with that kind of flexibility to sort of plan my own, um, you know, my, my own study journey uh, together in collaboration with, you know, what I want to do in Skilio. I think the second thing is that, I, I guess, was Global Studies, right? It allows me to really think critically and examine issues, right? Um, even though I'm not a big fan of long form, right? I think it forces me to really read and understand different perspective um, and from that itself it also helped me to train up my own I guess critical thinking skill sets when I actually evaluate business opportunities when I evaluate strategies in the company so yeah n not all is gone for arts and social science I think you know this is probably you know <laughs> nobody uh, thinks that it's so good <laughs> there's great value in arts and social I science I, I love theatre studies I mean I'm learning about every aspect of life yep. I mean Okay, yeah. But this is not about me. Okay. <laughs> uh, just let's go back to you. You guys expanded into Indonesia. Am yeah. I correct? Yeah. Okay. So, I spoke to a few other people, right? And they were mentioning they were also expanding their businesses into the global space. So, what is some advice you would give them? Yeah. So, I, I think um, like, you know, it's always a tricky thing because when you expand overseas, there's a chance that um, you lose focus, right, of, you know, what you set up to do. So I think for us, uh, when we actually um, go overseas, it was really to look for the same kind of persona um, of the customer that we are serving in Singapore. So in Singapore, we mainly work with schools, right, secondary schools, JC, polytechnics, universities. And um, we work mainly with the, you know, character and citizenship education department or the careers department. And so I think when we look abroad, uh, we also try to find the same kind of persona so that we do not have to, you know, um, create a new process or create a new application just for that new client, mm. right? So we are able to replicate what we do and sort of just bring it overseas. Um, and I think you'll be surprised right, because there 
know, with the Singapore brand on it, you know, a lot of times it flies better, you know, in, in, in developing countries in the region. So when we went to Indonesia, it was the same strategy. So we went to speak to people who were in charge of effective education uh, in international schools. So they were basically like the character and citizenship department in Singapore. And uh, they recognized the value of soft skills as well and how this can be something that helps their students to become future ready. And we were able to then sort of, you know, um, speak to their HOD or head of department and, you know, manage to sort of close um, a deal with them as well. So we also have another school in that we work with in India, right? So it's the same process. Um, they, they value the soft skills and, and, and how this can help their students. And we sort of implement it directly, virtually, you know, with their students. So I think for us, that strategy was to just look for a similar persona that we are serving currently, um, but in the, in the overseas context and, and, you know, try to understand the culture a bit better and, you know, try to see how our, th- our software or product fits in. Right. So you talk about trying to understand their culture. And I would think that, you know, it's very different in Indonesia and in India. What was one, the biggest obstacle you had to, you know, tweak Skillio to? Yeah. So I think um, we, we is probably understanding the, the, the cultural norms over there in a the sense that for many of the students there, um, we, we couldn't start off with somebody that is from the national or the government schools in Indonesia, for mm. example, because they would have, their, their sort of teaching medium will be in Bahasa, right? right? And then that's something that our application could, couldn't support mm. right now. Um, so we had to go for the more top tier schools for a start. So like um, international schools, which use uh, English as a medium, and they also go through the A-levels and the IB system, similar to Singapore. Um, so the, the, the challenge, of course, was that, you know, there. Um, there isn't a lot of uh, international. There, there are a lot of international schools, right? But you know, in in a bigger scheme of things, there are more you know local schools compared to such uh, international schools. Um, and I think for us, then it's about choosing the very right niche segment to go into first, um, before thinking about whether we want to really, um, I guess, expand the, the product features to you know be able to understand Bahasa and, mm. and things like that. Um, um, so, so those were some of the considerations that we had. Um, but yeah, the other thing would probably be to really understand the working culture, right? Because you know, for you know, like for say in Indonesia, um, they are not on LinkedIn, right? They mm. are they they prefer to converse on WhatsApp, okay. <laughs> right? So, so you know, we don't really send emails we are like you know talking through whatsapp to the teacher directly um to coordinate things and things like that so um so i I guess understanding how they work understanding you know their their whole education system was you know pretty crucial you know when trying to understand and going to a new market okay so right now i'm very intrigued uh, because you are in (laughs) singapore you are in indonesia you're also in india yeah and you're at so many places at once. Do you have time for yourself? How do you manage your time? <laughs> um, well, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm the best, you know, best person in managing time. Um, uh, well, I, I would say that, you know, when I first started, uh, it, w- it was pretty bad, right? So I, I, I spent a lot of my time on Skillio. And, and, I, I, and you know, it's, it, it comes to a point where, you know, I, I, I suffer from a lot of burnouts. So it becomes like, oh, you know, I, I do Skillio full steam for you know, one or two months and then I realized that, oh, I start to burn out and mm. a lot of things are not getting done and my table's messy and, and you know, those are usually the triggering signs. <laughs> yeah. like Warning signs. Yeah. And, and then I would have to take a two days break, you know, before I can recharge and, and go again. And and I started to realize that that's not very healthy. And, and, and I think that's where I started to, you know, be a bit more um, strict with my time. So like, for example, you know, right now after like 10 p.m., I do not work anymore. Like on the weekends, I try to only work on half load rather than a full load. Um, so that I can spend the other half 
have, you know, you know, either exercising or, you mm. know, just watching Netflix, right? So, and, and all of these things. Right. So, yeah, so... Yeah, it was pretty bad at first, but, you know, at the end, you know, I realized that it's important to rest. So I think for anybody who's also hustling, right, um, juggling school and, and something else, you know, it's also important to give yourself some personal time. Mm, yeah, it just really echoes what I think Katrina said. This is a marathon, not yeah. a sprint. So please <laughs> pace yourselves. <laughs> yes. Yeah, take a breather, take deep breaths. And if your table is messy, <laughs> that's how you know. Yeah, so you mentioned you will burn out, right? Yeah. And you have things to take care of. I mean, the world doesn't stop moving yep. when you do. And you are a leader in... You're a CEO, right? Yep. You're the leader. People look up to you. What What do you think makes one leader a good leader? What is a quality? Yeah, I, I think I think it's about being able to be vulnerable, right? As a, as a leader. Um, and and being able to say that hey you know uh, this is something that I'm not good at uh, I'm I'm also still figuring things out you know could you help me with it right I think a lot of times uh, we think of leaders as someone who know it all right who knows every single thing you know you need to run a business and things like that or, or lead a team but in fact we don't right especially if you're starting a startup as a first time founder with no clue about you know oh how to start things and things like that I think it's really about being humble and being vulnerable to say I don't know. Right and 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 seek for help, seek for advice, seek for support, right. uh, whether from your team or from mentors, uh, because th- they are the one that maybe have walked the talk before, have done it before, and can give you some advice. Um, you know, or or they could just you know put you know just be there to support you when when you need it. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that uh, that's one quality, especially if you are looking to you know start a startup as a first time founder. Right, and you are a leader, but. Are you also a friend to the people you work with? And how do you turn one off, turn the other <laughs> off? Or do you do both at the same time? Is there a conflict in that? Yeah. So I, I think I always believe in, you know, making the workplace, like at least in my team, right? Some Like, like a family, right? So, we, you know, as much as we can, we don't have hierarchy or, you know, we don't like say each other, hey, hey boss, or, you know, it's nothing. <laughs> we don't, la, right? So it's more of like we we really um, treat each other as the same level, right? And and you are here with us, whether it's an internship, whether it's a short stint or you're here for us in the long haul, um, we treat each other the same. And everyone have, you know, equal in opinion, right? If you say that this sucks, right? Then tell me, justify with data why mm. it's bad right and and i will be more than willing to listen and and you know um um you know change things if let's yeah. say you know that it doesn't work um and i and i think that's how we you know we sort of try to build you know the culture over here and and not really seeing each other as oh you know i'm a leader and and you have to listen to me all the time mm. uh, i don't think that's the case and i think most of the time um uh, like we should have a more i guess egalitarian kind of um way of looking at things and as long as you can justify why you make a certain point why you make a certain decision um, and and that everybody can see the vision, uh, see the the reason behind it. I think that's okay. Mm. And you've been in Skillio for three years. Am I correct? Yeah, close to that. Yeah. What is the greatest thing you've learned about entrepreneurship? <laughs> there are so many things, right? But <laughs> I, I guess uh, you know, for me, it's more about being. Uh, adaptable, right? Um, what I realize is that um, you never know uh, ev- everything uh, you need to know to start a startup. Um, and, and especially if you're doing a startup, you know, a lot of times uh, you're trying to do something that is 
disruptive or you're trying to do something that maybe very little people have done before. Um, and sometimes, you know, you, you could just be adapting an idea from the West and bring it over here. Mm. But, you know, bring it over here and, and then doing it in this region, in this context, uh, also brings up different challenges, yeah. right? And, and I think being adaptable, being able to see things um, uh, differently and see, and, and see the need to change um, when the need arises, um, and, and you know, just you know, going it, going at it, and change. Uh, I think that's very important. So yeah, over the course of three years, we changed our product like four or five times. <laughs> so my interns that that has been with me since like last year was telling me, oh wow, the product has changed like <laughs> three, four hundred percent, you know, since I first came into Scaleo. So yeah, so so I think that's something that uh, for me is something that's very important. Hmm. So then I'm I'm curious. You say that the thing has changed various times. Yeah. How do you? Uh, still maintain or cultivate some sort of brand because if it keeps changing and people kind of get, you know, yeah. confused, you mm-hmm. get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So how do you manage to create that brand? Yeah. So I, I think um, when we sort of first started um, building or publicizing about Skilio, it has never been about the product. It has always mm. been about, you know, the, the mission and the vision that we are trying to achieve. Right, which is in this case trying to help you know students to be future ready, trying to help students to understand that success is beyond just grades, um, and that has always been the constant messaging that we sent out on our social media platforms, um, and when we do speaking engagement and things like that. But the product that underlying it can change because as long as the tool gets you to where um, we want them to go to, um, that's something that uh, that that we sort of um, um, do to make sure that the I guess the messaging, the purpose of or the brand itself don't dilute, but you know the product changes along the way. So all in all, your vision just has to stay yep. as it is, yeah. right? So I would say that's the north star, unless of the course north you know star. some a, a new a new need occurs and mm. and and arise, right? And and then maybe we might have to start off a new sub brand that that maybe right. uh, uh, caters to that. Hmm. So let's say you have 30 seconds and my best friend is deciding whether or not she wants to use your your <laughs> platform. What in 30 seconds what will you tell her to get her on board? Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's a, a very tough one. Okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna time you, don't worry. <laughs> Take your time. Yeah, so I, I guess um, you know, if if uh, he or she wants to stand out, you know, in their application process to, you know, any companies, especially um if they feel that, you know, um it is important to understand that they are not just uh, determined by, you know, the cap or the grades that they have, uh, then you should definitely use Skillio. I think um Skillio is a good um, complement, right, to mm. existing tools that you're already using like your resume and LinkedIn, right? It's just to show that other flavor of yourself uh, to make yourself a more, to give yourself a more complete picture when you're actually applying to anybody. Right, okay. So if you have been convinced and you've t- <laughs> been tempted by Felix and his pitch, um, they can go to the website, yep. right? Is it S-K-I-L-I-O dot C-O? Yes, correct. Okay, 100%. very good. Yeah, and you create an account yep. and... It says on the website, la, um, something. Try it now. Yeah. Try it now and so that they can't ignore you or something. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> I, so forgot. I think yeah, the, the tagline that we have is so be so good that they can't ignore you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> be so good they can't ignore you. Yeah. yeah, it's nice. Do you come up with that? Yeah, so I think I think when we were thinking about, you know, like how do we, you know, get people to understand the value that we bring, um, it's really about, I guess, you know, um, having soft skills as something that complements and further value add to your own individuality, right? Mm. So that's why, you know, we about okay, be so good that, you know, people can't ignore you with the skill of your portfolio. Right. Okay. And 
Um, for people who don't want to ignore Felix and they want to <laughs> connect with you, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, you, um, you can definitely, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn or you can drop me an email at uh, Felix, F-E-L-I-X, at skilio.co, S-K-I-L-I-O dot C-O. Right. Okay. Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you for coming down. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in once again. All right. If you have any guests um, that you want to hear me talk to, please just um, direct them to me. Yep. Hey listeners, Nazreen here. I just want to say thank you for the immense support y'all have given me the past two episodes. Big, big encouragement for me. I hope that the podcast series not only shed light on the world of startups and student entrepreneurs, but managed to put a smile on your face despite these challenging times. Now, whoever it is that you are and whatever it is that you do, press on and stay safe. Cheers!